Welcome to Guest of the Year. I'm the host. My name's Mike. Today, we've got four deadheads from around the country competing for a prize pack donated by some sexy art. It's sexy with an A, like some sexy art, but with an A. Its creator is 24. He was a junior in college during COVID, and he was really bored, and he just started drawing on his tablet. He picked up one of those Apple pencils, started drawing. He's been a lifetime deadhead, and then he just got really good at drawing and he's yeah he's now 24 graduated and he has drawn concert posters for goose and pigeons playing ping pong and has a store full of awesome shirts patches pins posters like everything he's incredibly talented has a great distinct style andrew cool dude some sexy art on instagram and some sexy i'll put all the info in the show notes or in the description there Every week we're going to have a different prize pack and all the prize packs are curated by Mason from AKA from the lot. He is going around and just, yeah, just curating the prize pack of artists who are established and up and coming both. So thanks Mason. And thanks Andrew. All right, here's how the game works. We'll play the first part of Grateful Dead live track and each contestant will use the messaging system to silently guess which year the performance is from. Contestants who are all in video to prevent any possibility of cheating can submit their guesses at any time during the clip or in the 10 seconds after it concludes. Whoever is furthest from the correct year is eliminated. The last two deadheads standing will have a best of three series to determine a winner. We've got our returning champion Andy here with us, and we'll meet the rest of the deadheads in a moment. But first, let's hear the first song. Without further ado, The Grateful Dead. Right, the guesses are in shakedown street at new haven coliseum in new haven 
on October 25th, 1979. Shakedown Street, the album, was the last with Keith and Donna Godshaw. Donna had sole songwriting credit on the song From the Heart of Me. So we had two people get it exactly, 1979. Our returning champ, Andy and James. Andy, we'll start with you. Um, You guessed 79. You actually submitted quite quickly. What'd you hear there? Well, for me, it was really Brent's sound. The uh, kind of laid back, um, almost toy piano sound happening in the mix. And um, this is one of those, there's something about the 79 sound on that tour, I think, where it's a little crunchy on the bass. Um, it feels really up front. It's probably the first song of the set, and they're still like dialing in the sound on the soundboard. So it's a little uneven. But um, yeah, I think uh, it's uh, definitely a giveaway for me was uh, Brent's tone. And um, obviously, Jerry sounded great singing that. So we're definitely talking about earlier than normal um, for Shakedown. But as early as it gets for Brent, there is uh, 79. So. Great, Andy. The champ is on in the next round. And actually, you just got back from playing in the sand. How did the fellas sound? Oh, it sounded great. Um, Amazing. Uh, Here in 2023 to see, you know, Bob, Mickey, and Billy, and uh, of course, John Mayer and O'Teal and and Jeff. Um, And they had a lot of help, too. It was was really a blast. Um, Best setting you could possibly have, you know, feet in the sand, just awesome. We're in for an amazing year of Dead and Company music. Awesome. Andy, who is 47 and from Chicago, is one step closer to defending his title. James, who is 32 and from Larkspur, will be joining him in the next round because James also guessed 1979. Full journalistic integrity. I know James. He's my buddy. So just want to disclose that because this is a competition. So... James, why 79? Um, it's a bit of a guess. I feel like I got kind of lucky, um, but Brent's voice wasn't wasn't there. So I was kind of searching my mind and thinking, but like, is this a Keith? It, was there a little Keith going on? And, you know, was it part of the, that kind of disco sound that they were going for with that song? But um, eventually I just thought about the rest of the 80s and how I'd heard that, that keyboard sound uh, throughout. So... Just went for 79. Nice work. And you're on to the next round. How'd you get into the dead, James? Um, It was, I played guitar since I was about 10 years old and um, dismissed Jerry Garcia, like out of pocket um, early on. And uh, growing up in in, uh, Marin County, you'd always hear about the Grateful Dead and how good they were. And there's like maybe a little hometown bias against them for that reason um, as a young kid. And then in my mid-20s, I probably, honestly, late 20s towards, you know, COVID coming on, I just completely did a 180 and completely flipped. um, Probably after hearing Ruben and Charisse for the first time and kind of has been a bit of a complete sea change in how I listen and conceive of music and um, I'm grateful for it. So Ruben and Charisse did it. Why? Um, I see those videos online of them playing the few times they played it online. Every single one of them is different and every single one of them is brilliant. 
Um, and there's one where you see them kind of just go into like this grit, this kind of flow state, but they're also just really, really, um, they're trying to figure it out. They're trying to figure out that do, 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 um, part of the jam at the very end. And they can't quite get it until they finally do. And there was just this lesson about like chasing perfection and, uh, what music is about that I just found really, really profound in that song. So, um, after that, I was like, let's, let's go. I know there's a good amount of music to listen to. So, and I'm late to the party. So let's go. Yeah, I guess there's only like six Ruben Treases or whatever. So then you're forced to like, all right, well, what else is going on here? Exactly. Nice work, James. Ben will be joining you in the next round. Ben's 46. He's also from Chicago and he actually knows Andy and they just reunited after many years apart uh, while we were chatting before the show started. So two sets of buddies here. Uh, yeah, Ben guessed 1981. He's on the next round, which means Peter's odd man out. Peter guessed 1983. Sorry, Peter. Everyone's just super on their on their game. But we'll meet you in a second, Peter. First, Ben, why 81? Um, I had a feeling in my mind that it was somewhere between both 1980 and 82. And so I kind of shot right in the middle of it, figuring that was uh the uh that was the wise move. Um, but yes, yeah, certainly that that raw sound in uh in both Brent's singing as well as as the keyboard playing. Um that heavy bass forward uh, Phil, Phil's tone on it like, kind of brought me to more of a, of an early eighties. But, uh, but again, I, I think we, I think we made a lot of good points as to why that was uh, exactly from 79. It was a good, that was a good one. Thanks Ben. Uh, how'd you get into the dead? Uh, my uncle, uh, my mom's dad had record albums back in the day. He had, you know, a, a number of different rock and roll albums, but specifically he let me borrow both American beauty and blues for Allah. And so I first was introduced to him by uh, family members listening to him on album. And in high school, I got a subscription to relics magazine in order just to simply keep up with the goings on of uh, the dead and fish and other Bay area and, and other rock and roll bands. But, there was a section in Relics Magazine where people would write in their favorite tapes. And so as a young person getting into the dead, I would read this section and, and uh, think to myself, oh, yeah, that sounds like a great tape. I wish I could uh, listen to that also. And uh, back in the day, they, they would include their addresses. And so I wrote away to this one guy in New York whose favorite tapes I thought sounded real tasty. And he wrote back to me and he said, hey, I'd love to trade with you. I didn't have anything to offer, but he would he would make some for me, make some tapes. And uh, but he said, uh, even as, as I'd love to do this, I've been trading over the years with a guy in your neighborhood in Chicago for years and years. Our, our lists are about the same. And if you wouldn't mind, I'll give you his address. And so ultimately, I got in touch with this guy named Richard. And in high school, my uh, tape collection grew uh, like nobody else had, and uh, and I got some really great tapes, and I just found myself falling into that music uh, head first, and I, and I really haven't haven't looked anywhere else since. Okay, so he tells you about this mythical Richard, and then how do you guys connect logistically? I believe I wound up writing him a letter because I don't think any phone numbers were involved yet. 
uh, ultimately I did get Richard's phone number. And even as I went to college, which is where I met Andy, I still kept trading tapes with Richard. He sent, uh, he sent a few, uh, packages to my dorm in Iowa city and, uh, you know, tapes from then, uh, you had to like work to make them, you know, sit around for 90 minutes to make them. And, and, uh, and then you, you sit around and you listen to them and, and you write out, you know, on, on the, on the pieces of paper that, that, that surround the cassette, what the set lists were. And so they become kind of an extension to you. And I have yet to find it within me to get rid of my tape collection. I, I still have hundreds of tapes in the, in the crawl space downstairs. So as you recorded more tapes, you were kind of able to be an equal partner in this relationship, this exchange. Not with Richard. Richard kind of <laughs> always had the leg up on me, but uh, I did find my way to trading with a whole bunch of other folks. So I think Richard through, through me wound up getting, you know, passed on and distributed to a better portion of the Midwest. Ben, I love that story. Thank you. And thanks for being here. Peter is 28 and he's from Norwalk, Connecticut. He gets 1983. Peter, I'm sorry, you're eliminated. What'd you hear there? Yeah, so I mean, you could definitely tell like it was an earlier shakedown. Um, you know, I was kind of just gauging off Jerry's voice, sounding pretty clean, kind of just playing the game, though. I didn't want to go too early, didn't want to go too late. So I kind of just guessed in the middle, 83, should have, you know, guessed a little earlier, but. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if, if everyone else wasn't so spot on, you'd be fine. Um, Peter, <laughs> Peter, how'd you get into the dead? Um, so for me, it was like kind of like a conscious decision, like, all right, I'm going to like listen to the Grateful Dead. Um, you know, I went most of my life not having heard really any of the dead. My buddy was always kind of telling me like, yo, you really like them. You know, you should, you should check them out. And finally, one day I was like, all right, you know, send me some sets and I'll check it out. Thinking maybe I would be like a casual Grateful Dead listener. And then obviously that doesn't happen you just become fully obsessed so <laughs> so when you were like all right i'm gonna get into the dead what was your motivation behind that at the time oh i mean you know you always know it's like this huge thing that you know it's like this massive thing that people are obsessed with and go on tour and follow the dead so i always knew that side of it um which kind of always intrigued me but you know never never took the time to actually listen okay i gotta air you out here you are a very talented painter i believe you use acrylic right yeah yeah i use acrylic paint okay that's what it looked like and um your stuff isn't dead centric but are you able to draw inspiration from the band at all i mean really i've i've only been listening to the dead for a year now almost exactly a year um and you know obviously i was painting well before listening to the dead and kind of I've been in like maybe like a creative slump, I'd say. And yeah, definitely listening to the dead. I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to put into words, but, you know, just like the way you can look at a set list and be like, OK, I've heard all these songs before, but then you listen to it and it's a completely different you know, something in it might click differently for you. So then that makes me look at my own art differently. Like, okay, maybe I've done this before, but it's worth revisiting because 
something else will click in it, you know, like, uh, yeah. That's awesome. I love that. You know, I think the stock answer there and an acceptable answer would be like, yeah, you know, I learned to let go and improvise and, you know, be abstract or psychedelic even. But you're saying you learn to go back and revisit and go deeper into an aesthetic you were already working on just the way the dead do with, you know, their jams every night. Right. Right. And, you know, maybe it's like the hundredth time they've played trucking, but this time in particular, it sound it's like, it's just different, you know? So. Cool, Peter. That's a cool ass fucking answer. Thank you so much for um, being here and yeah, really appreciate it. Great. Thank you. All right. James, Ben, and Andy are now fighting for two spots in the best of three series. Let's play the song. guesses are in it was uncle john's band at parc des expositions in dijon france on september 18th 1974 the rock and roll hall of fame named uncle john's band as one of the 500 songs that shaped rock and roll the only other grateful dead song included in the list was dark star one person got it exactly it was james nice work james what'd you hear um I guess I was focusing in on Keith, you know, I'm aware of him, his playing, um, being up and down, you know, later on. And in this situation, I, I felt like it was pretty strong. Um, in terms of that recording, it was kind of understated and yeah, I, just, I, I, I kind of got lucky with a, a stab at 74 there. So it could have been like anywhere it was like 72 to 74? 100%. 75 felt a little 
the, it didn't sound like recordings that I would associate with 75. And then, so I would have, would have gone 70, 73, 72, 73, 74, right in that range. Well, everyone did go 72, 73, 74. Ben guessed 73. He was closer. He goes on to the finals with you. Andy guessed 72, our champ. Uh, we'll go to Ben first. Ben, you're on to the finals. Why 73? Um, that certainly had a bounce to it. That uh, And uh, I think in 74, you can somewhat hear the, the microphones a little bit and the, and the, the wall of sound and, and those double microphones. And at first, right when the recording started, I thought, yep, that's 74. And I, and I attributed it to some type of a, of, of a recording reason. But as the track progressed, as, as we heard more of, of that Uncle John's band ver, uh, version, I kind of thought that it had a certain, I don't know, laid back, stripped down, jazzy, bouncy thing that I put more in 73 than 74. So that, hence my guess. Nice work, Ben. You're on to the finals. Andy, 72. Our defending champ is eliminated. Sorry to see you go. What'd you hear there? Well, I should have just gone with my gut. My first reaction was 74. Um, I think Ben made a great point there about the wall of sound. Um, it, again, similar to the shakedown that we had earlier. It's like this is either the beginning of the set or coming out of some jam where the sounds just coming back together again. It's almost like everyone's plugging back in or something. And um, so it's getting pieced together. And right away, um, the first thing that jumped out to me was this is Billy. This is just Billy. And this is Billy after playing without Mickey for a couple of years. So there's that's where I had 72 at the bottom end. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just uh, somehow was like in my head, 74, then 73, then just like, ah, I'll just go 72, which uh, inadvisable, but uh, <laughs> we, we got some really good competition here. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to see where, uh, where this goes, even though I will no longer be involved, but um, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a great ride. And I, for I forgot about the gigs they did in 74 in Europe, so you mentioned Billy alone on the kit. Do you have a preference for singular double drummer? I mean, I, to me, uh, in the era of, of the Gravel Dead, where I was lucky enough to see shows in the early mid nineties, I felt like it's the two drummers that really defines the sound and there's nothing like it. And that holds true, you know, 30 years later with dead and company. And, um, the, you know, it's, it's, as OG as it gets, Grateful Dead, when you hear those two drummers playing uh, together, complimenting each other. Um, and that's awesome. Now, that said, I, I'm a huge on 72 to 74 uh, dead. So that is one drummer. And if nobody plays drums like like Billy in any kind of music, really. It, it's super unique. And um, it's got a great shuffle to it. Uh, I, so do I have a preference? I guess what I'm getting at is no, I, I love, um, I love listening to, uh, shows from, from the era of solo Billy, but, uh, you know, really what makes the Grateful Dead, the Grateful Dead to me is having the two drummers. Doesn't it seem more fun with two drummers, right? It is more fun. It's more of an adventure. It's more of a ride. Um, but, uh, it, the songs are so strong and, 
I think they're really showcased during that period. Yeah, they'll play where they would play what, like 15 song first sets and, you know, it's still get in that like truck another one wharf rat sequence or something like that. Um, uh, you know, such a special group and um, so great to be able to hear uh, such crystal clear recordings um, accessible at the snap of a finger nowadays. As someone who could relate to Ben's experience, you know, early on for me, it was using the well actually, which was like a Usenet almost kind of group that I wouldn't have been able to get into if I wasn't at, at university in the mid nineties. And you could log into that and like, you know, David Gans was there and different people and uh, just a small based in the, it's called like the whole electronic, uh, whole earth electronic link, the well. And that's where everything was happening. All the conversations about the dead. Of course, there were no images or anything, but I was able to like trade tape lists with people and then meet up with them at shows and do a little swap. Um, so it's just amazing to see how everything's evolved. Wait, so David Gans was on the message board and you recognized him just by his like handle or something? <laughs> yeah, gosh, I, I can't remember what his handle was right now, but... Uh, I don't know if it was just his hobby or part of his job, but it was really, it was like the, after a show, someone would post the set list pretty quickly. Before that, it was honestly, I think it was like a 1-900 number that you could call like an hour after a show ended and you'd hear a reading of the set list. So you were playing in the sand and I was at home and I was refreshing this, playing the sand set list to see what they were playing. And it seems like this is a, common thing throughout the ages is you know deadheads have followed concerts remotely why do you think we're so into following set lists for shows we're not attending oh you could just um put yourself there so quickly close your you know oh you know everybody well every fan um knows the kind of uh sequence that happens right after a while you're like okay so it's going to be what four or five songs then you're going to get drums in space and then something interesting maybe rocking out of space and then you're going to get the slow jerry ballad what's that going to be is it going to be standing on the moon is it going to be days between is it going to be war frat uh are we going as happened the other night is it going to be althea all along the watchtower morning dew uh I happen to call that one, but that was kind of a very <laughs> ambitious call. And uh, I would take that any night. So, but right, when you're, you're sitting at home, you could visualize it and kind of, you know, I mean, imagine if someone's like sitting, watching uh, like someone dream and they're like, oh, now they're dreaming about this. And you could just boom, put yourself there and like this blissful spot of knowing what it might hear like, what it sound like and what it might feel like, the vibe you would feel and like, and then you also kind of want to predict it. It's a fun game we play uh, as deadheads. And when you're at the show too, everyone's listening for the cues like, oh, you know, what's it going to be? What do you hear? What do you hear? Everyone's playing that game, which uh, is fun. All right, Andy. Great run. Thanks so much for doing this. We'll see you at the Tournament of Champions. Looking forward to it. All right. Good luck, guys. I'll stick around and, and listen in. All right, James and Ben are going on to the finals, best of three series. Let's play the first song. (laughs) 
down palace at brendan Byrne arena in new jersey on april 1st 1988 jerry garcia said the song was heavily influenced by his mother's passing james guessed 87 ben guessed 90 so james was closer james what'd you hear there um i heard a weak uh unfortunately like kind of tired jerry voice uh brent kind of put me in the in the 80s and it just felt kind of right there um as as beautiful and poignant as that song is like i couldn't help but have you know the emotional weight of it was only increased by you know having his voice cut out for a little bit so so i knew, I knew it was somewhere around the the latter part of the 80s i guess that's like just post coma jerry so he had just yeah. learned how to play guitar again and learning how to for sure um Ben guessed 90. Ben, why 90? Uh, yeah, I heard uh, late period Brent in there also. I thought Jerry's lyric was a little bit, and, and we were talking about his, uh, his health around that time. I, I, I thought that, I thought that uh, the tiredness, if you will, was a little bit attributed more to age than, than recovery. But, um, but at any rate, it, uh, it had all those, those elements, um, Brent was right there. It would have been, you know, pre <laughs> pre Brent's death in '90, but uh, but in any way, that's kind of where I was. I was between '89 and '90, and '89 was actually jumping out at me, uh, and uh, and I I chose against my first inclination and, and wrote oh. down 1990. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been that would have been he and I would have been one year apart on it uh, if I did. But that was a, that was a good track too. It, it's 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 nice hearing him play those, those ballads. And I loved how Brent would come in and compliment the lyric on, on those slower tunes. And certainly with, with his keys as well, um, bringing that, that organ sound, uh, 
his abilities on, on those decks of keys were uh, really unparalleled. And his ability to sing also uh, and, and bring that, that raspy kind of thing about him was, was, was really, again, a lot of fun. Uh, certainly marked a, a, a breaking point from that which came before him. I miss his plan, certainly. All right. James goes up 1-0 in the series. He is one step closer to winning the Some Saxy Art prize pack. Ben needs this one to stay alive and force a game three. Let's play the song. guesses are in dire wolf at denver coliseum on november 21st 1973 lyricist robert hunter said the song's narrator is the shadow of the man in the song who is dead at this point it's a song about a ghost james got exactly 1973 ben guessed 1974 james wins the some sexy art prize pack he's champ of guest of the year congratulations james you're kind of on fire um you nailed it why 73 um it felt sp- sparse and and um not sparse so much as bare a little bit more than later recordings would and you know we had pure keith going on and i 72 for me is you know just dominated by um europe and so i just i went for 73 um, I know because I know you, um, yeah. uh, that you are a big Bob Dylan guy. Yeah. Um, I feel like Dire Wolf is kind of a Bob Dylan-y type song. Am I onto something there? Lyrically? Uh, it's something that like, he loves that type of thing. Um, you know, early on in his career when he was kind of borrowing, when Bob Dylan was borrowing from, um, classic American folk songs, that's when he did Peggio for instance, for instance, um, you know, he would have hit on songs that, you know, kind of similarly would 
um, mention characters like the dire wolf and, you know, take people, you know, into these tiny small towns that, you know, are fictional, but everyone understands exactly where they're happening. Um, and I just think that's really powerful and it adds, adds to the music a lot. And plus the lyrics on dire wolf are just, I mean, they're, they're more dire than, than so much of the grateful dead. You know, there's literally a them pleading, do not murder me, <laughs> you know? And so, the dude's dead too, like unsuccessfully pleading, don't murder me. It um, adds so much. Why do you think there's so much crossover between, why do you think, I mean, clearly they toured together, they, um, the, the dead cover Bob Dylan constantly to the point where like, I think we had 10 Bob Dylan covers or something and over the course of these 15 episodes. Why did that happen, you think? I think that, I think Dylan was such a sea change uh, culturally that kind of enabled the Grateful Dead and he was such a good writer lyrically that you know they couldn't help but be completely fascinated by him. I think the Dylan and the Dead stuff later on, there's something about Bob Dylan later on and his hardcore fans don't like this impression, but he seems a little opportunistic later on. And I've always viewed the Dylan and the Dead stuff as Dylan kind of leeching off the dead because at that time the dead were, I mean, just packing stadiums. They had um, a marketing approach that was unparalleled. They have, they had, they were connecting with young people and Dylan had, you know, was in the middle of this Christian phase coming out of that a little bit and needed stadiums, you know, and he needed those audiences. I don't think he had them at that point. His albums were still pretty solid, but Overall, he wasn't connecting with, you know, audiences in the same way. And so it's hard for me to kind of look at those albums as purely artistic uh, collaborations. Do you know what I mean? Some yeah. of them are great. Some of them are great. But So you're calling Bob Dylan careerist. Uh, I mean, he's, look, he's my probably my favorite musician of all time, but he's 100% careerist, 100% calculated. Hmm. Um, and that's just part of it. That's just part of who he is. James, you'll be back with us next week to defend your title. And yeah, thanks for doing this. Um, ben, 74, one year off. Sorry, uh, James is uh, was just on fire. Just, I don't know. Um, yeah, why 74? Uh, well, firstly, congratulations to James. Uh, my oh my, I think you were off maybe by like one year, one time or something <laughs> this whole night. A little so, suspicious, uh, I'm gonna add. And if anyone's <laughs> thinking this at home, I swear yeah. to God, there's Mike, no fucking funny stuff. Mike, with, with, <laughs> with the big package. Uh, so well, well done. Yeah, he like um, pitches a perfect game. I no funny stuff. I swear on Jerry, no funny stuff. Uh, Ben, yeah, go on. Awesome. So I, again, I think I heard a little bit of uh, in Jerry's voice. I heard like uh, I thought in the recording. I, I mentioned it earlier. I thought yet again, I heard some um, uh, so, some little clue that that led me to believe that they were in fact playing through the the Wallace Sound PA. But um, but yeah, uh, we we were talking about how it was a little bit of a more stripped down uh, approach to to Dire Wolf and uh, a little bit slower and uh, and it. It was it was between seventy three and seventy four for me. I thought there was a recording reason to call it seventy four, but uh, but yeah, seventy three. It was a great year, great time for that band. I that's uh, probably my favorite era. That that seventy three, seventy four, real jazzy. You know, Keith kind of pushing them to to go in that direction. 
I, I, I'm probably more of a fan of the single drummer only because I feel like there was a certain tightness and crispness that uh, was about that sound from that era. Of course, 72 included as well. Um, but uh, but that, that, that was all good stuff. Well, it's really impressive how you're able to pick out the wall of sounds, sound in the recordings. Are you able to kind of explain what it sounds like to the rest of us so we can try to listen for it? In the recordings? Well, it seems like there's some type of a, at least as far as the 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 voice is concerned the you know the lyric is concerned it seems like there's and i'm going to struggle with the wording here but you can kind of almost you, you can hear more than maybe they would have otherwise wanted you to uh, i i feel and uh and i know that there's all sorts of you know the the, the dual microphone and you know being 180 degrees out of phase and and so they 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 tried to figure out how to filter the music out of uh out of their their microphones because they had all their speakers behind them but at any rate there, there's something about like a like a a, a lisp or uh or some type of a there, there's something you can hear and, and again i i apologize i can't find the wording for it but i uh i felt like i heard it in that particular recording i like you said a lisp yeah yeah, I like that. I think that's really, really on point. I um, Nice. Well, thank you so much for doing this, Ben. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, great stuff, everybody. Have a great night, and uh, we'll, see you. we'll see you this summer on tour. Yeah. yeah. Great to um, see you, Ben. Yeah, thanks, Ben. Um, all right. Subscribe to Guest of the Year on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. For show updates, follow us at Guest of the Year Show on Instagram. If you want to be a contestant on the show, sponsor the show, or make comments and ask questions, email us at guestyearshow at gmail.com. Thanks so much to some saxy art and Andrew. Again, Andrew's a preternaturally talented 24-year-old who is already drawing posters for huge bands and has amazing stuff on his site, which I'll again post in the description. Thanks so much to From the Lot for curating our prize packs every week. And shout out to Dylan for drawing the posters. Thanks so much for listening. For the fun facts, I relied heavily on Dead.net, Dead Disc, and Grateful Dead of the Day and their commenters, so thank you so much to them. Thanks to the amazing tapers whose recordings made this show possible. Congratulations to our new winner, James, and to our other contestants. Thanks for playing, and remember, it's all one song anyways. And I bet you good night, good night, good night. And I bet you good night, good night, good night.